This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. You love listening to podcasts. That's why you're listening to your favorite one right now. How about streaming music? Goes without saying, right? What happens when you combine one of the internet's premier streaming audio sites and your favorite Jabberjaw Media podcast? Gold, I tell you. Check out Adobe.com for some great streaming music. And every single Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. is the Jabberjaw Media Block featuring the Modern Vinyl Podcast and Break It Down with Matt Carter. That's just the beginning. Adobe will be bringing you more of what you want, great music, and great podcast powered by Jabberjaw Media. That's I-D-O-B-I, Adobe.com. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, yes. my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination all. of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed Ooh. to this podcast and get it wherever the hell you have your devices easily by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get them. We want to make sure that uh, it's easy for you to access this wonderful podcast every single week when we upload it because, you know, there's loads of information and cool people and all this other stuff that you need to know. And you wouldn't do that unless you were subscribed. Maybe you would. You could go to MetalSucks.net because that's also where you can get this podcast. Click on the podcast tab at the top and boom, right there. All of our old podcasts, you can find them. So make sure you check out you know, these old episodes that we did. We had Jamie Jostin last week. And uh, we've had some really good ones the past few weeks. So, And a lot more coming up. That's why you need to subscribe. Oh, we got, we got some good ones in the can. Like so good, like the record labels are trying to stop us. So good. That's, 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 oh, I hate those. I hate those letters. I really do. Animosity and trouble. I tell you. But, oh, it's not animosity. I know. I know. It's all love. Just messing. It's all. It's all love. They love us. It's good. Hey, make sure that you also find us on the social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks, Godless Speaks on Facebook and Spotify. And if you want to find our Instagram at Chuck and Godless and also ChuckandGodless.com, that's our Patreon. So if you would like to uh, check us out on Patreon, maybe become a supporter, that would be much appreciated. Where? Well, well I got an announcement there. Oh, well, what do you got? What do you got? So, so the first episode of Raised Godless. Oh, I don't cool. know how many episodes I'm going to do, okay. but at least at least a few uh, is going to go up this week for Patreon supporters. It, you know, look, twenty five cents an episode, a buck an episode, something like that. I mean, if you really like the show that we do here, just toss us a little something on Patreon, and we'd really appreciate it. And and we throw you extra stuff, so that's one of those cool extra things that we're doing. Uh, and I'm also going to be um, appearing on another podcast uh, uh, in the next week or two, and it's another one of those religious pop podcasts, Christian <laughs> podcasts. So um, I've got a thread on Patreon that just sort of traces the history of me bouncing around on a few of these podcasts because it seems like it's one conversation that you know a different Christian podcast picks up on, and then we start from there, and it, it's been kind of fun. How it's like a uh, yeah, it's 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 me sort of just like. Uh, I feel like a monster truck, <laughs> the monster truck of Christian podcast cars. You know, that's that's what I really feel like. They're like, wait, an atheist that'll talk to us? What's that about? I don't understand what's happening right now. 
I'm just sad that I never get asked to be on other people's podcasts. What the fuck, man? No, hey, dude, yeah. it's not about asking. I, you know, this is me just like going, hey, 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 <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> well, I did listen to you on Talking Bullocks, and uh, I got to say that um, I, listening to you defend Megadeth, that was one of my favorite parts <laughs> of that whole thing. I was like, you, you're fucking crazy. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I don't know if you're like playing playing Howard for something or what, what you're trying to do, but there's like there's something going on here that ain't right. But but yeah, wow. All right, no good times. But yeah, I, nobody ever asked me to be on their fucking podcast. I don't oh, well. know. It's nobody ever will, man. You gotta like you know put yourself out there. Oh ah, well, you know. Plus, you're, plus, you're, plus, you're plus I'm also I, well. Not even that. I just don't. You know, I'm not. I, I don't take my opinions too uh, too hard. You know, I need to like <laughs> I need to get some tougher opinions on the shit, and and I can drive it home a little bit harder. You know, but I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. although everybody who's heard me talk about Megadeth on this podcast. Or like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean he's got a hard opinion? If he's, if he's <laughs> another podcast saying something completely different, yeah, what the hell? It's, it's all about context, people. It's it, all about context. Indeed. Hey, the Metal Sucks podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it extremely complica- complicated, and then they try to sneak in all kinds of other like fees and other stuff when you try to check out they'll give you one price and then then boom next thing you know it's 10 15 20 bucks more than you even expected well that's why you need to try SeatGeek. they've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets because i i, I was looking at some cool stuff like uh, sold out shows that were here in the in the area because we've got a couple of festivals that are coming up we've got uh, texas mutiny and a few others that are that are coming to my area and you can find stuff like really quick and in the zones that you want. Like if you're looking for something particular for a baseball game, say, uh, if I want the first baseline, bam, I can look up the first baseline and get ticket prices for just the seats that I want and get them compared to others because it kind of aggregates all the stuff together, which is really, really a cool deal. And SeatGeek needs to become the first place that you go to check out everything, man. They've taken all the work and the hassle out of shopping for tickets. Uh, they pull, pull all the tickets from other sites into one place so that you save time never miss a deal and you know even better SeatGeek is a is given a uh grade like based on value so like it's a red yellow green kind of thing so they'll take a look at that ticket and whether or not this is valuable for you what you would get for it and and kind of measure it out for you so you can see which ones are the best deals that you're going to get and they're always honest and upfront about the price so like every time you click and it says this is going to be what the ticket price is it's going to be that when you check out and that's very very important so make sure you check out SeatGeek. download the free SeatGeek app and get ready because we're going to give you 20 bucks. All right. We're going to hook you up with a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Just enter promo code metal sucks. You go to the settings tab, click add promo code and type in metal sucks and you will get 20 bucks from your first ticket purchase. Pretty kick ass. So download the free SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code metal sucks and we'll take care of you, dude. It has been the weirdest week this week. I have been in like the biggest funk ever. Wait, wait, Chuck. All week Chuck, long. Real quick. Yeah, I know, I know. But I, sorry to interrupt because this is an important story. But this week we've got Aaron Turner oh, yeah. from Sumac yeah. on. See, and- this is how screwed up I am because I'm like, yeah. I'm not even like thinking about front selling the show. I'm just like, I'm, I'm wrapped <laughs> in my own fucking head. It's crazy. But Aaron Turner, dude. Yeah, he's um. You might know him from ISIS. You might know him from uh, Sumac, which is his current project right now. But you, you know him from Hydrahead Records, maybe. Uh, he's been a man about metal and 
and all kinds of cool stuff for a long time. And we got a chance to talk to him before Sumac goes out on their, uh, I guess, U.S. tour? Or were they going to Europe? I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, the new record from Sumac is out in stores and, and pretty awesome. Getting glowing reviews from everybody, and we got a chance to talk to him on this podcast. We're going to hear a new song from somebody you discovered, right? Where did you pick these? Yeah. Where did you pick this up from? Did you oh, find it on Twitter he, or another one of those? No, no, this is a, a Spotify. They got like a, a new metal releases uh, playlist uh, that I subscribe to. I, I have got my Spotify so organized at this point, man. It's awesome. I got like all the playlists that are you know people posting new songs in one folder. I'm terrible I've got at Spotify. All, I'm bad. At all it. my best best of playlists in another folder and then and then like my like the people who like like the the uh, dentist from refused every month he puts up this playlist of like really weird stuff that he's found and i've got like that those playlists hmm. all in a folder with uh i call it my discover folder it's like all this really like weird <laughs> stuff so yeah it's cool it's cool so um uh yeah yeah so the, the spotify does like a new metal tracks it's it's uh that one metal sucks has the, their shit that comes out this week yeah, and yeah. you know and th- those playlists are really cool because it, it makes it real easy like on on sundays generally when i'm sitting down to play online poker i just like load up spotify in the morning with like all the new releases mm. that came out and just just track by track by track and it's like anything that turns my head i just you know i look and i write down or something whatever you know it was or i add it to one of my best up playlists or or whatever but i it's you know i hadn't uh uh yeah i heard this track and and i had the just like weirdest reaction to it, it was like i well, really hold on hold on we, 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 we'll oh. talk about it afterwards oh, Let, we'll let's talk about it later yeah, I'm we'll sorry, talk yeah. about it later because we, we want to hear the track and that way we get it we kind of put it in context a little bit so hold, hold okay, on hold on to really that good. you know that way people can hear what what it is but i was just trying to figure out where the hell you found it because you know, you found the astronaut from uh, from from uh, who? Yeah, uh, D- Dean, 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 right? Uh, on Twitter, and I was like, "That's a, that's pretty kick ass." My Spotify, yeah. I'm terrible at it. I mean, but I think it's because I also use it. I use it differently. I don't use it as discovery. I use it as you know. I'm going to see James Taylor next week, right? So you know, <laughs> it's like I'm going back and listening to old fucking yacht rock shit and and folk music, or I'm listening. You know, I, I listen to just stuff that randomly pops into my head more than anything else. Than trying to discover new music out of it, but I don't know. That's oh, see, me. that's funny. I always think whenever I see you, you know songs getting played on your thing, I go, "Oh, look at that! His daughter is playing with his Spotify." <laughs> well, there's <again."> that too. <laughs> oh man, dude, yeah, because uh, I I need to teach her how to put that in private so that doesn't pop up every damn pop song that there is under the sun. I'm like, really? Oh wow, no, that's not so you, me. Mm. You had an intense family week this week well you know and that's what i'm saying like it's it's been a weird week for me just because um uh, we had a death in my wife's family uh like they're the matriarch of the family i tweeted about it you know uh <clears throat> grandma or mama as we uh, as we call her she passed away last weekend and uh and i was a pallbearer at the funeral this week so it's just kind of a weird sort of thing and i mean you know it's not I would consider her immediate family. I've been in their family for 16, 17 years now. So I, they're part of my family. They're, we're all family. And it's just sort of weird when anybody passes away, even though she's 94, you know, and she hadn't been sick, but it just sort of came on in, la- in two months. And then, you know, we were going that route. So you kind of see it coming, right? You know, but it's um, uh, it's one of those things that still it creeps up and takes you by surprise, even when it does happen. But it's in the role that I am in, I have to be kind of the strong one, right? And, I, and you know me, I'm fucking mushy, right? Yeah, big time. Yeah, you just kind of poke me, and I start to I start to cry, and you get all. I'm I'm just mushy about that stuff. I'm sentimental, and all. And the thing is, is that in this situation, my wife and my daughter, 
I've got to be like the pillar. You know what I'm saying? It's like they got to be able to hang on me because I'm the one that's it. Yes, okay, I'll be strong for this. So it, it's a hard position for me to kind of be in. But at the same time, it's uh, you get in. You, you, I've been wrapped up in my own head. So I start to roll all that shit into my own head. And I just haven't been able to get out of it the past couple of days, you know, because I was a pallbearer for the funeral. I was, a, you know, you carry the coffin and all that stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, and, that's a pretty, uh, uh, you know, that's a pretty respected position i mean they must like you to make you a pallbearer i mean that's pretty awesome well you know you've been married for 16 years and uh and pretty much you're not going away you know you know what i mean you, you know that's yeah i get that but like nobody wants me carrying them off i'm telling <laughs> you that much i mean but dude, there's no way i've never done that have you ever done that before i did it for her other grandma actually wow uh, for both of her uh for her grandmas and my my daughter's great grandmas so yes how heavy is that coffin ah uh, dude it's they make them out of sheet metal now so it's not like it's uh it's not like it's a pine box anymore right you know it's like this it's pretty heavy uh wow. you know it's kind of yeah yeah and how, then, how many how many people were uh holding six. That thing up? yeah there's six of us you know you got six ball bears so it doesn't seem like enough no, no. I mean, that's it's just it's like just right. Like it's just what you need. Usually, when you see a coffin, it's it's six ball bears, maybe maybe eight, depending. Uh, but but typically, it's around six, and that's usually pretty good. Were you all about the same height? No, that was a weird thing. Is that okay? So like we had two like uh, of the nephews on one side, and then uh, like the their their parents on my side. So we were taller than they were. So I was kind of leaning, and yeah, it was kind of awkward, but. You know, so you didn't like organize that ahead of time. It's sort of like, okay, dude, uh, you know, you, it's you're not thinking. It's a blur, man. It's, yeah, it's such I, a I it's such a blur, dude. You know, you're not even thinking about any of that stuff. The, but you would, I mean, I was sitting there and um and and she was a Methodist, right? So uh, had the preacher come up who was a small Asian woman, uh, and I realized that I'm going to hell uh, because uh, Jesus does not know me. Uh, that's right he's never met me so i'm gonna burn in hell um but luckily See no evil. <laughs> i i don't want to get you stuck twisted sister song, i don't want to yeah. get you stuck uh, you know going down a, a wormhole on this but man i tell you what this is she was all fire and brimstone the entire time it was crazy it was like uh, that's awesome i mean which to me it was like this god dude is pretty fucking awesome he's gonna burn every all of us alive this is fucking great i mean because you, you start looking at it and you're like yeah all right okay all right this dude's a fucking mean son of a bitch all right yeah so you kind of like that but yeah it was it was a little odd you know sitting there and uh it makes me think about like what i want you know and i, I was telling the wife because um they had okay. These songs are what we want to play. These are the songs that they play. You know, Amazing Grace and this and that. And I was like, okay, I want Angel of Death. I want. Um, <laughs> I would like to have uh, maybe Seventh Son of a Seventh Son in here. Uh, can we get? Uh, <laughs> she's like, I. We are not doing that. I'm like, yes, yes, you are. This is going to be an Eddie coffin that I'm going to be buried in. God damn it! Either that, or I'm going to be launched out of a fucking cannon. One or the other. Do Iron Maiden have the Eddie Coffin yet? I don't know if they do. I I know there's the Kiss Coffin, right? Because that was yeah. what Dime was buried in. But I don't know if if there's a there's got to be an Iron Maiden coffin that's shaped like an Iron Maiden, right? That's got like fucking spikes on the inside of it or something. There's got to be <laughs> on the inside. That's the best part. They're on the inside. Well, yeah. But, so, you know. so that way, when you get like people who are mis, you know, like you got two short guys on one side, it's like, oh, yeah, that that guy just got impaled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, brutal. <laughs> 
Oh man! But yeah, you start to think about like, well, what do you want when you, what you know, what would I want uh, when I in my funeral? What would I want? Would I have people? Because like nobody got up and spoke. It was just all the preacher who who did the deal, right? And you would you want people to get up and speak for you? Or would you want people to, or would you want something like that? Or would, is it you one know, person? Just for the sake of those people there, nobody better be speaking in my funeral. <laughs> it's kind of like for the, the few people who might care about me, probably nobody else should go up to talk. <laughs> I don't, it, it, but that was the thing. It's like, cause, uh, you know, when I went to, when Corey Mitchell had passed away, uh, you know, I went to his funeral, uh, after the, you know, the house core a couple of years ago. And, um, and you know everybody pretty much got up. There was a lot of people who got up and spoke, right, and, and still told stories and did this. And, that. and I was like, I really dug that. I was like, that's really cool, you know, because I would hope that there might be a couple of decent stories about me over the years from somebody. You know, I, I'm not that interesting now, but I used to be. You know, so some somebody might find me kind of interesting. But I mean, there's got to be, uh, you know, it's got to be something. You know, it's got to have. I gotta have metal music playing or something, or I don't know. I don't know what it would be. You know, it's a, yeah. and it's weird because you just start thinking about all that stuff and you get wrapped see, up. See, you, you only start thinking about that like in the context. Of, see, I'm thinking about that on an almost daily basis. No shit, no. I'm thinking about like what I got to do tomorrow. You know, like I can't think. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm a my list is long. You know, I think hell. I think you even referenced that in uh, in, in our interview here. <laughs> uh, the, how I'm the list maker. I am. I put yeah. things together. And I did. I get the list done, and that's what I do. So, <laughs> speaking of which, let's get this damn podcast done. Sorry, I wormhole too much about this. So, we're going to talk. What was sadder, uh, uh, Mama or Lemmy? Oh, well, ooh. well, I mean, Mama, obviously, because I mean, you know, that's, obviously, yeah, it means a lot to my a lot to the family. I mean, she was an awesome person. She was really cool. I mean, like she's one of those one of those women that like okay, so. Her husband died like 25 years ago, and she just kept going. It's like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to go play. Did she date again? No, never dated again, I don't think. But, but, you know, never. uh, My grandma, when she was like 75, started to lose her mind, started to go Alzheimer's on us, you know, where she didn't remember your fucking name. So 10 years later, when she passed away, it was like, okay. You know, we didn't have to like the slow crawl down it was getting bad dude we could we could totally wormhole on the alzheimer's subject but i'm not oh i got like that that opens up a whole can of worms right there i know i know but But she had all of her her mind was still intact to the end right and that's awesome you know she was just kind of an awesome person so you know it was pretty sad to see her go you know that was that's and it was tough on the family so definitely uh definitely it was one of those i had to cry inside let me i cried outwardly but I also yes, was, did. <laughs> but I was also drinking. So go back to the tape, people. Go back to the tape. <laughs> I, did. I was drinking. You know, I, that's why it was funny. I was talking to somebody about that the other day. I was like, I can't. I, the reason I didn't come out to the the things, I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, getting drunk and crying by myself. That's what I do. Speaking of awesome people, though. Ah, Aaron Turner. Let's get into our interview, man, and uh, we'll stop talking about death. All right, uh, <laughs> at least for now. Aaron Turner of Sumac is our guest this week on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? It's Chuck and God the Skin. Hey, sorry about that. No worries. No problem. It's, it's, now is good. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, now is good. Uh, we've got a show in Vancouver tomorrow night, and we're leaving uh, to head up there today, so just running around in a minor frenzy. I used to hate that, like the day before a tour, or I guess like a travel, that just caused like all sorts of anxiety that like nothing else can compare to. Yeah, and, and it's really unnecessary because just putting pressure on yourself doesn't really help you get anything done. It just has a tendency to, well, at least for me, make me feel uh, more scrambled and unfocused than anything else. Sorry to add to it, man. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, no, this is uh, probably a welcome break because I get to sit oh. down and just uh, talk about music, which is always enjoyable, so that's not a well, bad ch- thing. Chuck's pretty good at checklists. You want to, you know, like brainstorm a checklist with yeah, us? Yeah, so you know, you know, <laughs> make sure you got uh, everything in your shaving kit and you'll be ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I have clean socks and underwear, I'll probably be fine. Solid. All right. Good times, dude. You're you're in like twenty bands. You got a couple record labels. You got the cover art that you do. You have a record store. You're married. Are all of these activities a way to distract you from something? I would say that I definitely used music as an escape route uh, early on in my life, you know, as a, a teenager and maybe even as a preteen. Uh, and then that sort of sprawled out into music-related activities of various kinds as uh, my life progressed. In later years, I've kind of reassessed what music means in my life, and actually I find it a more of uh, more helpful in terms of zeroing on, uh, zeroing in on things I need to pay attention to and examine rather than an escape from life as it might have been formerly. But yeah, I definitely think in some ways I have used uh, being busy and, and maintaining a really packed schedule as a barrier between myself and uh, other people. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But yet, you know, it's an incredibly social uh, art form you, you know you need other people you know it, it's almost like if you're just painting perhaps you know rather than you know collaborating with other musicians and you know performing in front of an audience i would imagine that is sort of a i don't, I don't know sort of a, a kind of an oxymoron uh in some ways yes there is some level of contradiction to that and especially in reference to being a touring musician uh that in and of itself is a very social activity. At the same time, uh, there is a lot of situations where music provided uh, an outlet for me to express and communicate uh, in a way that I wasn't able to verbally, um, or I guess another, you know, more traditional, by more traditional social means. Um, And in another way, I also feel like... uh, there is a certain level of, um, how can I put this? Uh, though tour is social, uh, social interaction in those circumstances is compartmentalized in a way where no interaction can uh, go on for very long. It rarely reaches a level of uh, deep intimacy, at least in terms of contact with strangers. Um, and a lot of the the contact that I do have in terms of creating music is in small circles of people and sometimes one-on-one. And I definitely function much better in those types of settings than I do, for instance, in like a party setting, which is something that's never been a facet of my life. And one of the things that uh, music uh, kind of 
helped me stay away from or or provided an alternative to which makes sense i mean but at the same time though you know you're it sort of also forces you to become a little more of a social person than than if you were to refuse otherwise you know because you are out there representing your band you're out there representing your work and what you're doing so you automatically have to be out there in the face yeah that's true and uh, there's there's no way that I could portray myself as this totally hermetic person because I'm not. Uh, I do go out and play shows and I do interact with a lot of people based around the work that I do. Um, and I find that uh, it has helped me in a certain way to forge connections that I might not have otherwise. Uh, but maybe I can further explain what I meant in terms of how music has helped provide a barrier or protection for me. Uh, one part of that is in terms of my family. Uh, and I don't, I wouldn't portray my family as an extremely dysfunctional one, yet at the same time, there are ways in which, you know, like most families, uh, we don't get along or we have major differences. And for me, uh, using music and a life based around music helped me escape from that. There was always a way out of that kind of familial intimacy that I wanted to avoid. Um, similarly, uh, there are times in my life when I've had relationships, uh, you know, uh, with uh, partners that I really didn't feel were healthy or productive, yet I stayed in them. But tour was always an escape from that. I could always get out of my uncomfortable home situation. Uh, so in that way, that's, that's how music has sort of provided a buffer for me or provided an outlet or an escape route for situations that I didn't know how to deal with otherwise. Now, has that changed for you like, like over the years as far as how that relationship works with your family and everything else? Uh, your relationship with music obviously changes dramatically versus what you do with different projects, but how's that relationship with everybody else um, changed over the last 20 some odd years? I, I've done a lot of growing. I've done a lot of uh, reflection on who I am and how I want to be. And in terms of my family of origin, I've definitely worked on, figuring out ways to have good relationships with people, uh, minimize strife, and uh, really foster the good connection that kind of underlies all the, the more superficial problematic stuff. Uh, that said, there are a lot of ways in which I'm still very different from my family and ways in which my life as a touring musician isn't really compatible with or doesn't make sense within our family dynamic. Uh, so that may be something that is always sort of hard to, uh, well, there's a, there's a rift there that may never be entirely healed or, or figured out. Um, so that's, that's kind of a lifelong process, and I, I would venture to guess that most people, no matter how functional their family may be, always have some... Uh, some questions about that and some work to do in that arena. Um, as far as my, my chosen family, that is my wife and I and all of our animals, that's a very different situation than where I was, say, 10 years ago. Uh, I'm very happy in my home life now. I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's more meaningful than perhaps anything else in my life. And in that way, I've cultivated... Um, a personal life that I feel is um, 
much more what I want and maybe what I've always wanted but didn't know how to get when I was a younger person uh, that, you know, was kind of all over the place and not really willing to look at my own issues and how, uh, you know, my my subconscious was driving me towards patterns and behaviors that really weren't conducive to being happy and healthy. Um, so yeah, these days tour is very different for me in that way. It's harder for me to leave home. I miss it a lot more and I'm trying to find ways to, um, do both things, uh, and feel like I've got a, a good balance. Um, in some ways, that's quite easy with Mammifer because my wife and I are in the same band and can go on tour together. Uh, in other contexts, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, she's got her own projects and work, and of course I've got Sumac, which is now doing a fair amount of touring, and Old Man Gloom, who did some occasional touring, uh, both of which take me away from home. So what is it that your wife understood about you that your parents just never got? I think both... Uh, my wife and I were were similar in a certain way in that uh, we used creativity as a tool to move through and understand the world and our own existence. Um, and I think that uh, in both our cases, there were large sectors of our family that didn't operate that way, and you know we were never able to connect. Uh, as a result of that. Um, similarly, uh, we both grew up in very uh, parallel existences. We both grew up in semi-rural desert communities with uh, somewhat limited cultural resources, and a lot of our youth was spent devising our own fun, figuring out uh, the connections between all these underground entities that we were interested in, and forging our own reality in these somewhat isolated uh, areas. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that had to do with just being introverted, very creatively oriented, very sensitive people um, who weren't interested in, I guess, a lot of mainstream culture and maybe in some ways also had a hard time fitting in with our with our families. So, so far I've made a list that you're not the person to ask to work the merch booth. You're not the person to ask for Father's Day gift advice. And you're, and you're probably not the, not the... Yeah, yeah, that's about where the... Uh, I forgot the third one. Yeah. Was, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm painting a portrait of myself as being antisocial. And I feel like there have been times in my life, in my life where I was quite antisocial and very standoffish and... Uh, maybe developed even a little bit of a reputation for being an asshole, which had more to do with being aloof than being outright aggressive. Uh, at this stage in my life, uh, as I mentioned, I've been trying to do a lot of work to be a more empathetic, compassionate, and understanding person. Uh, and uh, I should add as a side note, I've been noted um, as a good gift giver, uh, both uh, <laughs> in my relationship with my wife and also in my family. So at least I can excel in that department, though I might be deficient in some others. Um, You're sending perfectly sarcastic gifts that they don't get it, but you do? Is it one of no, those things? No, no, <laughs> I, no, not at all. I, that happens occasionally, but more often I try to 
think outside of my own head and not give people obscure uh, noise and black metal records. Um, so, uh, I'm, pic- I'm picturing that like sing, sing, uh, singing trout up on the wall, but it only does like converge tunes, you know? <laughs> uh, for- fortunately, uh, that's never, it's never uh, gotten down to that level, uh, but maybe one of these days, <laughs> or maybe one of these days, uh, that'll be a gift handed in my direction. Uh, <laughs> But also, yeah, in reference to the merch table, uh, that was something I avoided for a long time when touring with ISIS, um, mostly because we could, uh, we had the resources to be able to bring a crew with us. These days, we're operating on a much smaller, uh, tighter budget, uh, at least in at the current stage. So it's very much a DIY affair with. Uh, Mammifer and Old Man Gloom and Sumac, we all take turns doing the merch table and uh, driving and loading and tour managing and all that stuff. So again, though my my uh, innate personality might be introverted, I'm learning how to be an extroverted person and in some cases enjoying it. I just need to be able to retreat for part of the day and also live in an area where I feel like I can go and relax and not be bothered and and have some time to to uh i don't know re gather myself and and uh recuperate uh so yeah i i uh i i'm definitely working towards being a more well-balanced person and and finding a a comfort zone between what i feel like i need uh in order to be happy and and feel calm uh and also being a functional part of the world that i choose to be in yeah and that takes work to do that i mean you actually do have to it's it's almost exposure therapy where you have to get out there and and put yourself in that situation and and do it or else you're never going to start to feel comfortable with it yeah that's true and i think part of what's changed for me too and i i referenced this before is uh, taking a good hard look at uh, myself and a lot of my own issues and figuring out what kind of negative crap I bring into um, into my home life, into my work life, into uh, the relation with my family of origin and, and really making an effort to shed some light on those uh, often hidden corners of myself because um, that really often is also what makes interaction with others is really difficult is uh the stuff that you know i project onto other people or the stuff that i see reflected in them that i don't like about myself and uh it definitely it does take work and it has been a, at times very uncomfortable process but ultimately i think made me a happier and uh hopefully kinder person how do you recognize that that's got to be like the hardest thing to do to just take a step back from yourself and go yeah this is why i'm feeling this way in this moment it takes a lot of different strategies and without divulging too much personal stuff i will say that my wife faith has been a pretty good um foil for me i think we both are really willing to call each other out on stuff that we see that the other person might be blind to. And I think that's that takes a lot of strength, too. I've been in other relationships that couldn't withstand that kind of honesty. Um, but I also feel like that's one of the things that's made our relationship great, is that we're willing to level with each other and, and not let negative shit slide, especially to the extent where it becomes habitual. 
beyond that, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have some relationships with a few other people uh, who are also willing to relate in a similar way where we can be honest and open enough with each other to talk about things that are difficult to talk about and that might be blind spots for each each party. Uh, so it does it does require connection with and a, and a willingness to even confront other people. Um, work that can be done, uh, I guess, uh, in a more isolated or individual area is just looking at your work, looking at the art you make or the music you make and and finding out what that stuff means uh, on a deeper level that might not be readily apparent when it's happening or in the moment that it's being made. Um, to be more specific, for instance, I've looked at some of the lyrics I wrote uh, for Isis and also Old Man Gloom and uh, even more recently for Jodas. And at the time, I thought that those lyrics were about one thing. And then when I have looked back on them with several years hindsight, I can see how they paralleled some stuff in my life that was going on that I really wasn't able to deal with at the time that it was happening. And it was just coming out in the lyrics. And there have been times where it was really almost kind of frightening because I realized what kind of place I was in when I was writing it. And and the stuff that was happening that I really wasn't able to, to consciously process. Um, so that's that's been another way in which uh, art, at, at in some ways, seemed like an escape, but ultimately was more of a connective process in terms of figuring out who I was and who I am. Um, and then even even further in terms of my own individual activities, I've done a lot of reading about uh, psychology and self-help and dreams and all those kinds of things that are, again, a, a part of a connective process uh, that help you get into yourself on a level that's well beyond the superficial and well beyond the mundane and helps you dig into those things that are, in some ways, at least in normal day-to-day -day life, kind of hard to access. When I finally found like the right person that suited my personality and everything, it was a compliment to where what I was it wasn't uh, it wasn't a reinforcement do you feel like she is your compliment or do you feel like she is a, sort of the same reinforcing and able to be able to see you as a mirror uh, yeah, Chuck I, doesn't I, take criticism very well <laughs> <laughs> only uh, from one I, person <laughs> yeah I would say that it's both and that's part of what makes our relationship work very well there are ways in which we are quite similar and those things are maybe what we recognized initially and drew us together. Uh, in another way, and maybe even more importantly, we are we are quite different from one another, and it's those differences that uh, allow us to maybe see the other person in a way that they can't see themselves. And I think that's one of the best uh, the best facets that I, uh, you could hope for in a relationship is that another person can bring you out of your own insular world and help you to see things in a different way, help you to see relationships in a different way, to see and understand other people, and also use you know, those kinds of insights to, to look at who you are and who you think you might be versus who you actually are. And to help you honestly reflect on that as well at the same yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. A lot of the 
relationships that I was in in the past, which I've definitely tried to minimize as I've gotten older, are the ones where people are just kind of content to enable each other and live in a fairly constant state of denial. It's kind of like this unspoken agreement where, you know, I won't call you out on your shit if you don't call me out on mine. And that definitely works in the short term and is super corrosive and destructive in the long term. So that was a a hard lesson learned and something that I still try to be really vigilant about because there's people I've known my whole life where, you know, that was the relationship or the premise that the relationship was based on initially. And in subsequent years, trying to change that has been a big goal uh, and um, really difficult. Uh, but in the case of relationships that I want to preserve and, and uh, you know, have in my life, well worth doing. Well, geez, and it seems like you've got so much going on that, like, every second wasted on something that is not fruitful of uh, at least beneficial in some way is, is just leads down a, a bad path of, of distraction. Yeah, life is too short to stay in destructive relationships or, you know, waste time on, on creative endeavors that aren't really satisfying or um, put a lot of effort into work that doesn't have some kind of uh, benefit beyond, um, you know, the, the meager and ultimately meaningless financial compensation that comes from it. Um, of course, there's a lot of practical things that everybody has to do and that aren't always fun that, you know, make living in a house and eating food possible. Uh, but yeah. I also realized that, you know, like uh, what ultimately makes life meaningful uh, is not the same, often not the same thing that uh, makes life easy or comfortable. Ooh, and, that's profound. And that's, a, and that's a hard lesson to learn, too, for a lot of people. Yeah, and I'm still learning it. I'm, I'm, I'm by no means saying that I've reached some plateau of wisdom where I can just coast uh, for the rest of my life. It's actually quite the opposite. It's like, I mean, it's, it's much like physical training in a way. You can't just do that for a while and then just maintain great physical shape. It's like constant vigilance and constant effort and, and discipline. Uh, and I, I feel like uh, that's, that's something that's definitely going to be an ongoing struggle for me. Yeah, well, and it's a matter of sacrifice for a satisfaction. You know, yeah. You, you, what you can, what you can live without, so that you can live with yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now I, I was, I started thinking, I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about your old lyrics. Because I was, I was totally going there when you were talking about that, uh, as far as what you saw in your old lyrics. What do you think you're going to see when you look at the lyrics for Sumac? In ten years, do you think it's going to be di- completely different than what you're seeing now, or and uh, what I you're reading so. now? I hope so because uh, I want everything that I do to be something that has longevity to it um, for other people as well as for me. I want it to be something that keeps that that's like a constant revelation that I can revisit and learn from and use as a as a stepping stone on the on a path going forward. Um, I think, especially in terms of um, creativity, output is something that has uh, has meanings to it that go well beyond what we're able to grasp as the creators. We can have our, 
you know, we can have strong intentions and we can have very focused ideas um, and we can have certain levels of meaning that we're assigning to it and, and that the work carries. Uh, and I also feel that there's things about what we do that maintain a level of mystery or that will reveal further meaning as time goes on. Uh, and especially working with ideas and words uh, and images and even sounds that are heavily symbolic, uh, that those meanings uh, are, are deep indeed and, and go even beyond the individual into um, collective unconsciousness. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I hope that this work keeps, keeps teaching me things and that um, I can use those the th- those things that I learned to to keep making deeper and more meaningful work uh, on a progressive path. I remember reading a book back when I was in college. It was talking about crime scene profiling and how they could look at just the way, and this is real morbid thought, but like the way the blood splattered or the way the death was, uh, the, the crime was committed, that sort of thing. From out of that, they could figure out not only whether they left-handed, right-handed, but whether they had a lot of friends or didn't have a lot of friends, what kind of car they drove, you know, what their uh, gender was, what their um, uh, nationality might have been. All that stuff can be sort of, and this is a morbid idea again, but like from the art of the crime scene, they were able to piece out who the person who did it was. I always thought that was an amazing idea if you could apply it to art. Yeah, and I think that's true of almost any human activity. There's a lot that can be revealed by examining uh, anything that a person leaves behind, whether it's a crime scene or handwriting, uh, the words they use in an email, uh, the way someone approaches their instrument. I mean, those are all insights into into the nature of the person that's you know, making that action or creating that thing and also insights into just how people are and who we are and how we function. And I think that's why, uh, you know, that kind of examination and and analysis is so interesting. Um, And it really can cover the spectrum from things that are totally mundane um, you know, or seemingly mundane, like the way the pers- a person organizes their house into things that are seemingly more profound, like, you know, uh, uh, how someone constructs a novel and the, the, the way that they use language. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I, think that, uh, I think that that's a very interesting part of being a creative person, but also just being a human in general, um, learning about other people, not only by how they present themselves, but by all the other clues that are seemingly at the periphery of who they are, but are actually more telling of who they really are. Will any of this reflection lead to revisiting past collaborations, uh, you know, the, the, the already, uh, you know, desired ISIS reunion, that sort of thing? Uh, hard to say. I'm, I'm, I haven't made a, how can I put this exactly? I've seen a lot of people say that they're never going to do such and such again, and then they go and do that very thing again. And I, I'm talking in terms of, uh, you know, domestic behavior, uh, but also in terms of bands reuniting. Uh, and 
So I'm not one to say I will never do this again because I think that's, for me, at least a naive statement. Uh, and it also closes off a lot of possibilities in terms of what could happen in the future. Um, that said, at this, at this point, I'm not really interested in revisiting the past, uh, creatively speaking. Uh, I've always been a person who's driven towards making new things and, and really... Uh, most energized by what is happening in the current moment. Um, and uh, in that sense, I'm trying to live my life according to those principles, like doing what feels right in the moment, um, purposely choosing activities that I know are going to be really engaging and um, towards a goal of making something new rather than just recreating something that's already been done. Uh, and so in in that light, it's hard for me to imagine wanting to go back and and revisit, uh, at least on a really involved work-oriented level, what I've already done. Um, then again, there may come a time where, you know, for a variety of reasons, it seems like a good idea to go play shows with ISIS. Uh, I, I, I definitely can't. I can't see any reason why that would happen anytime soon. Um, but that music was very meaningful to me at the time that it was being made. Uh, it's still very meaningful to me now. And all the people that, you know, were involved in that um, are are really important central figures in my life in one way or another. Uh, so there's, I definitely haven't abandoned that or uh, disregarded its importance either. ISIS speaks to a certain certain emotion, a certain spot, and a certain time. Now, even if it was reflecting, if you guys had were to do something new, it would be a whole another almost new venture, not just looking back, right? I mean, you would have, you would want that energy to be focused kind of in a new direction, even if it was with the old group. You know, wouldn't it? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does make sense, and uh, I think that if we were to reform in a formal sense, that would be a goal. Um, I think just based on how everybody in the band was developing and the trajectory we were on collectively, it would be hard for us to reform and find common ground on which to re, uh, relate creatively. And that was definitely part of the reason we dissolved uh, to begin with, was just that you know everybody had these kind of diverging interests, and for a while, that kind of um, uh, that kind of, those kind of diverging aesthetic interests created a good tension that I think uh, helped the music. Uh, but eventually, that also became kind of constrictive because the the common ground we were able to find started getting narrower and narrower. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to really speculate on what could happen, um, but I feel like with a in a situation like Old Man Gloom, for instance, that's been ongoing for a long time, and I know those guys very well, and there are certain ways in which you know we do a lot of the same stuff when we get together. That's uh, more I'm speaking more on a social level there's there's old relationships there that are very much like they were 10 or 15 or even 20 years ago in some cases that said when it comes time to do work together there is a collective interest in moving forward and 
trying to do something new and trying to take what foundation we've already laid and build further upon that. And then with Sumac, it's building a whole nother, a whole nother house. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, this is its own thing, and I feel like there's a very specific idea of um, how we want to move forward. Not necessarily exactly how we are going to sound in the future, but just moving along with this process that we've initiated and, and staying uh, tr- true to that path. But the and, but the, geez, in the path though it seems to be frantic in some in some respects. I mean, two albums of you know back to back in what under a year. Yeah, uh, part of that has to do with having a very long gestational period before yeah. the band actually got going, and sort of this cumulative buildup of a lot of ideas. Uh, part of that has to do with just all of us being really excited about it and feeling like there's a lot of inspiration and. Um, wanting to run with that and then another part of that is um the fact that you know we didn't do a ton of touring on the first record um you know it wasn't like a lot of the bands uh you know we've been in or in brian's case are still in where you put out a record and then you do you know a year to a year and a half of touring on it before you have downtime to begin the next record for us, it was like we did uh, maybe a month or a, just a bit more of touring on the last record, and then that was it, and there was time to start writing new music. Is, and, that, is that the nature of the band, or is that the nature of the industry? Uh, definitely the nature of the band, because uh, there's other things that I'm involved with where it takes a lot longer to get things done. Yeah. Um, and I would also say that our cumulative experience as musicians is a definite asset for us in terms of the rapidity at which we're able to work. Um, we can have the, we can tackle these pretty complex song structures quickly and, um, and put them together. I won't say easily because they are challenging, but um, we're able to do it uh, quickly because we all have a mutual understanding of what we want to get out of this and are all very capable with our instruments. So it's, uh, it's easy to, to, come to a place of understanding about where we want to take things and move uh, quickly on those ideas. It's interesting to me that, you know, with so much of your background has to do with, you know, your uh, founding and, and running of Hydra Head Records. It, I would I would think that you would have more of a sort of uh, a left-brainer's perspective on your art, but you seem almost totally on the right side of your brain, it's all about creative output. Is it, or, or do you have some sort of sense of the fiscal responsibilities of putting out a record and, and touring and that sort of stuff? No. If, if that were the case, I would not be doing things the way I'm doing them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, in a lot of ways, I've run counter to that kind of, uh, to that kind of ideology about music. Um, I've, I've always gravitated towards music that is more difficult in nature um is in most ways kind of anti-radio uh and anti-video um and though those things aren't entirely relevant anymore there is still something about um you know making small digestible chunks that does make music a lot more accessible for people uh, so there's there's that aspect of it. The other aspect of it is uh, record packaging, and we've never we've never comp or I should say 
in the various bands I've been in and also at the label, there's been a collective unwillingness to compromise. We've always done pretty elaborate packaging, uh, pretty expensive packaging, um, pretty involved artwork that takes a long time to develop, and all those things are sort of anti-market in a certain way. Um, that said, I also feel like all those things, that unwillingness to compromise and sort of the challenging nature of our collective activities are part of our success. I think there's a lot of people who are looking for things that aren't easily consumed and just as easily forgotten. I think there's people who want something that has a, kind of a multi-layered aspect to its personality and requires more thoughtfulness. Um, and uh, so in that way, it's kind of accidental in terms of the success that has been achieved, um, where the intent was just to do what we wanted to do, and the result was it connected with people who were looking for those things. Oh, wow. You can't be that lucky. That there's to me, it, There's got to be, like, a purpose behind that. I mean, I've seen the packaging you guys have put out. It's a, you know, most of it is brilliant. There's a purpose to it, which is to honor the vision that we have okay. for what we're yeah. creating. And there's um, something for, you know, there's something about our personal taste that also is related to that. I feel excited when I get a record that clearly has a lot of effort that's been put into it where it feels like the people really cared about what they were doing uh, and also cared enough to make the record itself an interesting piece of work that, you know, wasn't just a commodity. Uh, so in that sense, there is there is a lot of intention behind the way that we choose to do things. We want the record to be a special experience uh, from all sides of it, uh, both as a physical object, uh, what it conveys on a symbolic level, uh, and obviously the music as well. Um, so in that sense, it's not... Um, it's not coincidental in that there just happens to be other people that like it. It's also partially based off the fact that we are people who like those kind of things and whose lives were impacted by those kinds of productions uh, when, you know, we were in our formative years and even up into the present moment where we're still avidly collecting records and seeking out new music and, and trying to discover new and interesting things. But how do you do this in Los Angeles, one of the most expensive <laughs> places to live, you know? Uh, I don't live there anymore. <laughs> That's part <laughs> good, of it. Good idea. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, we, uh, going back a little bit further, um, though Hydrahead wasn't started in Boston, that was really where it came into full being. Uh, and that is where ISA started. And Boston was a much more financially difficult town to live in than Los Angeles was when we all sort of uh, made our pilgrimage out that way. Uh, rent was cheaper in L.A. You could have a bigger place to live for less money. Uh, and actually, for most of us who chose to have jobs outside the band or needed to have jobs outside the band, it was an easier place to find work. Uh, so in that way, though L.A. is considered a kind of uh, glamorous place, there is plenty of things, there are plenty of places to live and plenty of work uh, for people to do who are outside the, the regular uh, big-money entertainment industry. Um, however... 
the city itself and, and city life in general eventually took its toll on me, which is why I now am living in the woods again. Where are you now? Uh, I am on Vashon Island, which is in the Puget Sound outside of Seattle. Beautiful area. Uh, and we're very close to Seattle, but there's uh, no bridge that connects the island to the mainland. You have to take a ferry to get here, which kind of ensures that really only people who uh, want to get over here will make the effort to do it. Um, and there's also some zoning laws here, which will prevent the island from ever getting overpopulated, um, which, of well, course... As long as uh, Pizza Hut and Chipotle are there, I think everything's <laughs> going to be okay, right? <laughs> uh, there is There has been one concession to fast food here, and that is a subway in our three blocks of downtown, uh, which I have yet to be, uh, yet to be in in my six years of living here. <laughs> Oh, spicy Italian, man. You can't go too wrong with that, really. Uh, I don't know. Sandwich artist is a completely different kind of art than what we're talking about, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Aaron, I got I got an idea for next uh, Father's Day. A uh, great gift. For just a weekend, you send your dad Faith. Let her figure him out, you know? Get him uh, all sorted to the way she's done with you. Maybe everything gets, you know, hunky-dory again. I, I think she's already got him figured out. Uh, however, helping him may be a lost cause at this point. He's, uh, he's approaching 80, and I don't know too many uh, 80-year-olds who are willing to really change their ways at that point in life. That said, people are incredible and flexible and adaptable, so uh, hopefully there's room for all of us to change and improve ourselves as life goes on, including into the uh, twilight years. Aaron, dude, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man, and uh, New Sumac Record is uh, is really good. I mean, obviously, critical acclaim. People are going crazy for it right now. So congratulations on uh, what one becomes. Uh, well, thank you guys very much. Thanks for taking the time to do this and also uh, taking, taking some time to listen to the record, too. That's all I've ever wanted uh, in being a musician is to make music that other people will hear and get something out of. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it that it's still happening.
you ready for the biggest rock festival to ever hit Houston? The first annual Houston Open Air Festival is here. Two days, September 24th and 25th, with the Fenched Sevenfold. Allison Chains. Slayer. Deftones. Chevelle. Alter Bridge. The Cult. And so many more, including Chevy Metal, Pierce the Veil, Ghost, Anthrax, Of Mice and Men, Baroness, and more. Houston Open Air Festival. Two full days, three stages. September 24th and 25th, NRG Park. Music, gourmet man food, and Jack Daniels Whiskey Row. Tickets are on sale right now. Go to HoustonOpenAir.com for all festival information. The earlier you buy, the more you save. Houston Open Air. Go big or go home.
New song from a band called Make Them Suffer right there. Ether is the name of the song. It's, um, I don't know if I like it. I don't know. It's so bizarre. I I dig it, but I then I go, ah, but that, but yeah, but uh, I don't know what it is. It's, I, it was, um, uh, yeah, it was funny because when I, I suggested it to you, it was just the last, it was, I listened to it and I was like, oh, okay, but like you were you were playing it and you stopped at almost exactly the same moment I stopped before I suggested it to you, which is, which was bizarre. It was sort of like, and you had exactly the same reaction. Like, yeah. I really did this, I think, but maybe. <laughs> I, know. You know, and I that's, know. That's the weird thing. It's like, I don't, huh, weird. I can't tell if I really like it or not. I really, I really can't. And it's it's funny because like you know when we played the asteroid last week and and my buddy by the way just picked that up on Bandcamp and I he was playing it in his office and and blaring it like crazy and uh, and I was like hey ah, all right and, and you know as soon as I heard that I knew that I loved it this I can't tell if it's going to grow on me or if it's going to be something that's going to be annoying after a while I mean I like aspects of it it's sort of pedestrian in some ways but then in others it does stuff that like is kind of weird and new and creative so adding that like layer of deftonesy kind of piano and singing thing on top of the white chapel death chord you know typical yeah. chord structure thing is really you know it's kind of it's it's got it's got that lacuna coil yeah, like chorus but then it's got this fresh. my bloody valentine guitar going on on there that i just love it's like oh why haven't more bands like kind of gotten in I, you know i guess you know my bloody valentine certainly like touched on like death heaven and a lot of this yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know black gay stuff but not like that you know so it's kind of cool I well think. you can't it's that kind of what what fallujah is doing with some of their stuff where they create sort of a soundscape intermixed with that death core sound you know like it's got something else going on but this takes it to another like another extreme which is weird because it's kind of a sing scream thing but at the same time it's not it's not two dudes doing it and it's not i don't know it's i it's i can't i don't know i don't know if i just don't know if i like it and you know what i'm saying it's like yeah i just can't don't know. To dive into the rest of the album because i think i think it's one of those things where like we'll, we'll get the rest of the album and it's like i know that that was it yeah, or it yeah, might be like totally whoa this is a gateway into something yeah, 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 really right. cool yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you there. It could be like, this is the one song that's interesting and the rest of it fucking blows. Or this is just the tip of the iceberg, you know, and, and the the rabbit hole is deep and deep and broad. So, but I I don't know. I don't know. At this point, I'm thinking it's a one song. But, you know, who knows? I could be completely yeah. wrong about it. So I'm optimistic. You can always let us know, you know, to hit us on social media and stuff. Uh, at bearded ape is uh, my Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, God let's speak. Yeah, let us know. Does it? Uh, is it? Did you have a similar reaction? I mean, yeah. Uh, Does it float your boat? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still debating on it. Like I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> huh? Oh, it could be. But uh, we apologize for not telling you about what we we're going to talk about toward the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> Good one. Because uh, we wanted to talk about apologies because a few of them happened to pop up on metalsucks.net this week, and we wanted to, to reference these. Yeah, because like, all right. So first thing is, I've been sort of like on the edge of my seat all week, waiting for the re-apology, uh, re-apology from uh, Pentagram, because that was a topic last week. Oh they, yeah, yeah. To Bobby see if, Liebling had yeah. sexually harassed uh, the opening bands, and th- then they put out this like, "Hey man, a dude's a dude" <laughs> reaction. <laughs> you know, really? Yeah, I know, right? I know. 
So I figured, oh, oh, there's the shovel, guys. Go ahead, go back and dig some more. You know, that's what I was really waiting for. And it, and it, I don't, I didn't see it happen. So uh, maybe they figured better, better to just you know move on and pretend nothing happened, which is probably you know the closest thing to smart that Bobby Lee Lang's done ever. Exactly. Yeah, but, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then the other one was yeah. uh, um, the, the dude from Skindred. Dude, yeah. yeah, so he's on stage for the Kerrang Awards, and uh, he's given the award to Baby Metal for I don't know, most awesome live band or something like that. Mm. And then during the you know the, the 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 three young ladies from Baby Metal are are you know accepting their award in somewhat broken English because it's not their native tongue, and he was sort of making fun of their accents and bowing to them, and it was. Oh, it, it, it's ugly. It's just ugly. I mean, uh, it, it's yeah, it's, it was it, it was tough to watch. It really was because it was one of those like you are just completely disrespectful. I mean, seriously, it's just yeah. unbelievable. I mean, not not even being an asshole. You're just completely disrespectful. And then and, and that's fucking wrong, man. Well, and racist. And, and it's just it, it adds an extra layer when it's like it's three very, very young women yeah. who are accepting this award they're they're not adults they're not and you're making fun oh come on you know it just looked really bad uh so but you know at the same time like i this is the thing is it comedy's hard you know it True. is hard and so you know the guy is trying to be funny and entertaining and it's not right and it doesn't work but sometimes when it does work really well it does get on the edge of maybe kind of upsetting people was that chris rock went through it. i mean there's almost nobody on earth funnier than chris rock and and during his academy awards uh uh, uh presentation he had some you know i would say probably kind of racist humor against asians during the presentation and and it's like well uh you know, it's, no, what's wrong? But I think everybody, when you do something, you know, bad like that, at least in, especially in the interest of comedy, you should have the right to be able to go. You know what? Look, I was trying something and it didn't work, and I'm sorry. You yeah, know, and yeah. that, which he didn't do. That was the thing. It's like you could juxtapose his non-apology with the pentagram non-apology. It's like. Oh, yeah. God. What's going on with these people? Well, and it's also somebody who can't figure out how to apologize in 140 characters either when it's like, hey, I'm on Twitter and I'm going to do this. You know, uh, what was it? What did he say? He said, uh, here it is. Uh, people like people, like I said, I'm not into being horrible to anyone, to all the fans and baby metal from my heat. I'm sorry if I offended you all. <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly he means heart oh Oh, yeah yeah. but see that's it he's sorry that he offended them but he's not sorry about what he he did did yeah and that's where it's wrong if he had just said look uh, you know i'm really sorry i was trying something it didn't work then okay that that's a good apology yeah sorry to anyone who thought i disrespect baby metal at the awards tonight uh truly i didn't mean to fuck with him is is what he started with as well so you know, it's like, come on, dude, just fucking come up with a, a true apology here. But if you don't mean it, it, you don't mean it, you know? You know, it really, it, it was really bad. But let's be honest, if if uh, Baby Metal had just given him an award and those three young ladies were doing vaguely racist <laughs> insults of him <laughs> during the presentation, that actually would be funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, it would be bad, but it'd be kind of funny. I mean, just to see them doing it. But, you know, it's it wasn't funny when it's an older guy you know making fun of three young girls you know it's 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 just a is it oxymoron or it's a catch-22 i guess you know? yeah you yeah 
But then you know if you're if you're gonna, but but like I said, he doesn't. He's not sorry. <laughs> so so I mean, yeah. why why apologize if you're not sorry? You know why even yeah, say true. anything? You know I mean just just deal with the heat and and move on. You know so. But I'll tell you this: baby metal fans are are fucking insane. I mean they really are. They love that band. They are they are unbelievable. Oh. Not insane, and that they're oversensitive. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that. No. No. What I'm saying is, is that they are they're they're rabid for them, and they're they're fanatics. They're true fanatics about the band. You know, like I play, I played them on my on my No Control Radio on my radio show, and I just tweeted. You know, I I do a thing where I just uh, shotgun everybody that I play during an hour, right? And if I put baby metal in there, that some bitch gets shared like you know five (laughs) thousand times, and then next thing you know, like my my podcast of the show gets listened to. You know, three. 4,000 extra times like whoa what the fuck is oh it's the baby metal crew okay cool you know and it's nuts how how they're just rabid for them and so you know, what's the the dude from skindred's name again it's like uh, benji, benji webby yeah yeah so i mean do you think he needs to be sort of um that somebody needs to sit him down and go yeah this is why it wasn't right or or I don't know kind of like what should be the I I would assume that would be the next step if I was his record label rep or his manager is there is there such thing as a teaching moment anymore I don't know that there is man I just uh, you know if you if you don't fucking if you don't fucking get it you don't fucking get it you know because at this point with all the backlash you figure pretty fucking you should be fucking getting it you know you figure it out. Um, yeah. But you know, you know, this is unlikely. But believe it or not, the the latest is Benji Webby will be collaborating with Phil Anselmo on the track. So, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Lord, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's the apology seven inch. Yeah, I'll tell you what, oh, it's gonna be great. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, all right. So, and and shout out to to Axel from Metal Sucks, who uh, a similar thing tried to do something really funny, stuck his neck out, and and it didn't work. But he did exactly the right thing. He uh, did a like a real heartfelt apology. He knew what he did was wrong, but you know he tried something first. And I give him all the respect in the world for trying. If you if you don't go out there and try to be funny, you know what? Just nothing's gonna be funny out there everybody has a right to like make a mistake everybody and, mm. and even multiple mistakes as long as you recognize that what you did was wrong and you go eh, and and you know his post was kind of wrong and and his apologies on metal sucks but you won't be able to find the original post unless you ask me and i can send you a screenshot <laughs> but uh, i'm just kidding uh, but yeah no it's it's you know it, it, it's it, it's really really hard to be funny I well, trust me. I know because I'm rarely so. But it's like you know, you gotta, you gotta like, uh, uh, you gotta stick your neck out every once in a while and and, and push the envelope. Sometimes the things that you know that strike you as funny, it's not right. It's not, it, you know, it's not exact. And you're not thinking about the consequences in the moment. You're just trying to be funny. Yeah. Well, and that was and, what Benji was trying to do, but then retract. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the, if that's your first go to, it's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, uh. what do but, you mean you go to, first well, go to well like to if be it, offensive well if if like the, if your first go to is let me be racist then that's you might get, you might need to think about things you know it's the same thing i said about the whole anselmo thing you know if the first go to is this then that's not eh, it's not a good idea 
Who's funnier than Phil Anselmo, right? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you're going to try things. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Zink Heil. I mean, yeah, you know. I, I, I'm sorry I offended everybody with my Nazi salute. I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh. But what, what do they say? Uh, the wife says it all the time. It's, it's uh, never, never make the same mistake. You can make yeah. plenty of mistakes, but never make the same one. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. I make plenty of mistakes. <laughs> Just never the same one. Uh, yeah, or at least that's what she tells me. Maybe mm, I'm making me feel better. All right, let's wrap this show up, dude. Uh, thanks to uh, Aaron Turner for being our guest this week, uh, and make sure that you are subscribed and everything on. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Why? Because that way, podcast comes to you. You can, uh, you know, just sit back and relax, and then Monday's boom, it comes right to your inbox. Or if you're a little more active, you want to be out there, you want to play along and be ready for it every Monday, metalsucks.net. As soon as it goes live, it can, you can find it right there on the podcast page. Just click on that tab at the top that says podcast, and boom, you can get your podcast right there delivered to you. Uh, and check out all the old podcasts if you haven't. Uh, we've had people that have talked about that going back to the beginning and listening to like the early podcast i don't know that i suggest doing that um because i don't know how good i haven't listened to them it's been a while Uh, but uh, if you want to hear some of those old like really old stuff you need to join us at chuckandgodless.com as well Uh, that's our patreon uh, page patreon.com slash chuckandgodless we post all kinds of cool stuff up there old shows like the show before the show sort of thing we've got our first couple episodes up there from our original show that that godless and i did before we came to metal sucks uh, which was just us talking for an hour i don't know if you can deal with that either but you know <laughs> we got a few of those up there extra content for people who uh decide to chip in and help us out so yeah we want you to uh subscribe there and also you can find us on social media i am at bearded ape i'm at godless speaks godless speaks on facebook and spotify and let me add raised godless the very first episode will be up for patreon supporters this week uh, probably tuesday or wednesday so check that out and just think about it like if everybody gave us 25 cents a show i wouldn't have to try to find a job right that would be (laughs) so cool you know 25 cents a show that's all i'm saying i may i'm I, i like it i think it's a good idea uh, yes, because I get half of that. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so uh, chip in. And also, you can find us on Instagram, at Chuck and Godless. Uh, we like to post some cool stuff. <laughs> Dude, did you see the picture I posted? We had a vodka tasting here at the at the office today. Oh, no. I'll awesome. That out. That's a Friday vodka <laughs> tasting. That's, that's radio for you, buddy. You're still awake? I Yeah, that's what I'm saying right about that. <laughs> right, let's wrap it up. Till next week, I am Chuck. I'm Godless. This is another Metal Sucks podcast. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.